Hey there, podcast listener. Steven here from the podcast you're currently listening to. You ever heard a podcast and think, I can do that? Well, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, or maybe I can help you get started with it. Hosting is the most expensive cost you'll have in a podcast, and that's why Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. Really, they have everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's hosting, you can distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you think you can do a better job than I, record a podcast right now. There's very low risk involved. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome, everybody, to The Lazy Geeks, a weekly podcast that brings you news stories from the past week with a that may have slipped under your radar, uh, why it's important, and without all that clickbait clutter. I'm your host, Stephen Vargas. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Um, this is our first, or at least my first, episode back. Um, so, yeah, just a quick rundown. Um, as you guys may have... Uh, may have heard during uh, during the end of May, my my brother passed away, and uh, we launched a, uh, a a tribute podcast episode from that he was on. And um, but before that, the last episode we have four hundred two was my last episode doing this. However, on the away team. The last episode I recorded, which was the same time I did the Truly Pointless podcast, was uh, Future Tense. And that we recorded the, basically what eventually became the day my, my brother passed away. So that has been my official last show. So that's like May 24th or 23rd. So yeah, it's been uh, been over a month, um, a lot of obviously happened to me during the past month having to you know do you know uh uh what do you call it uh final rights or final you know things that had to deal with him with the hospital and then eventually passing and stuff like that and actually last saturday we finally ended everything it's it's been a long month uh where we had our service for him so uh, at that point, if you've been going to the site, you notice that there's been stories now this past week and it's because it's, it's that time, you know, I, I, I haven't done anything with the show with the, you know, Adam and I were planning to do shows when he came down during the, during that, uh, that month to do a couple of episodes, but I just, I wasn't feeling it. And, um, so 
Yeah. So there, there's been a lot of changes per, on a personal level and, uh, and in going into a, uh, going into this, this in regards to the return, uh, Adam's been waiting for me to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. So I figured before I do shows with him, I'm going to do shows by myself to see if I can actually find the, this, the reignite the, uh, the passion that I had for doing this stuff. My brother was my number one fan. So obviously, you know, without him around, it's, it's kind of taken its little toll on me. Um, however, I have some friends and family that are like, no, no, you should keep doing it. You should keep doing it. He wouldn't want you to, to end it. And, and, and that's very true. I know he wouldn't. And, um, so, um, with that come some changes. Um, at the time that I was doing my other show, the fine line, I was in the middle of a season. And of course, when he passed, it, it killed everything that I, um, that I was planning to do. Um, so with that and, you know, other stuff happened. So I, I can never really complete a full season of the fine line without something happening during that time. So I've, I've, I've listened to the universe, as they said, and, uh, decided to, okay, I hear you. I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I'm listening to you now. So I'm, I've ended that show, uh, that um i i did the i did an episode where i was basically just signifying what was going on so that show is over however i have decided to put my passions towards another one called the gen xer podcast which will debut um i think in two weeks i'm working on uh, four episodes right now and it, it's it's similar to the fine line but instead of kind of yelling at everybody i'm kind of talking through it, my Gen Xer um, point of view, which basically means millennials, boomers, Gen Zs, you're both right and you're both wrong. So, and kind of how in the battle between gen, generate the boomer generation and the uh, millennials and the Gen Zers, the Gen X, Generation X has a more cynical a uh, uh, view of the world and I think kind of needs to finally say something. So that will be coming out in two weeks. And then a couple weeks after that, uh, the fine line, I mean, the, the truly pointless podcast and the away team will return. So the first week in August, uh, those, those shows will be coming back. I know we plugged earlier on that we were going to do two new shows and unfortunately, those shows were supposed to start recording in June, and then we would have them out for a July release. But unfortunately, actually, yeah, yeah, that's how it was going to work out. But unfortunately, with everything that happened, everything just kind of got screwed up. And with me, you know, trying to find this, I think starting two new shows wasn't exactly the good idea because I don't think I was in that headspace yet. Um, so we've, we've pushed those back. Um, hopefully earlier, but it looks like at least the way I'm looking at it, it could be October. So right around, you know, our anniversary time when the truly upon this podcast will hit its one year. I think that's probably the best time that it'll go. I'm hoping earlier, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, and as far as release schedules, uh, I'm, this show will now start debuting on Mondays. 
Um, I was doing it on Sundays because for some reason I was deciding that the two new shows would get their own separate dates, but I decided that was silly, especially since both shows will be bi-weekly. So there is no need for an overlap. So I decided that um, the Lazy Geeks will come out every Monday like it used to. Uh, the Truly Pointless will come out on Tuesdays. Uh, Wednesdays will be my show, um, the Gen Xer, and then Friday will be the away team. And then when the two new shows appear, they'll, they'll debut on Thursdays. So yeah, so that's everything that's been going on. Those are some of the changes we have. The Lazy Geeks uh, blog is, is back up and going again. So definitely uh, check it out. And um, I also want to thank some of the listeners out there who actually donated to my brother's GoFundMe account. I'm leaving it up till the end of the month and see what, you know, because again, you know, the money situation doesn't end after a couple of weeks. Um, his final bills are coming through and it's, you know, annoying. So I'll probably leave it up. I may take it off the blog, but I will probably have it up again. Um, on the GoFundMe account, so you can look for it there. Um, however, uh, I want to thank some listeners and some of our followers that went ahead and, and took time and, and donated, and I re- that really meant a lot to me that, that some of you guys went and did that. So I, I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart and, and my sisters. Um, so thank you. Thank you a lot for that. All right, so um, now with all that out of the way, Let's go ahead and uh, hit up some news stories. So last week, owners of Western Digital's MyBook and MyBook Live Duo experienced everyone's worst nightmare, all your content gone. Now, Western Digital MyBook exploit was bad enough, which hackers seem to use a factory reset option to delete stored content. And when you thought the nightmare was over, not so much. A second exploit was revealed last Tuesday. Now, before we get into the details, you need to disconnect your device from the Internet, particularly with issues from the second exploit. The second WD MyBook exploit stems from an issue of no longer being supported back in 2015. Now, the second exploit doesn't allow remote full control, but it allows remote deletion. God knows why that was. But since the support ceased in 2015, the flaw has been around since then, at least. So about six years, to say the least. Now, what makes it more interesting is mass deletion would be allowed without password protection. So how is that for pissing in your cereal? Now, Ars Technica has a very cool theory about it. Now, the data deletion happened as a result of a fight between hackers. One botnet owner potentially trying to take over or uh, disrupt another's. Now, one hacker or group of hackers was using the known exploit to control the devices for some nefarious purpose. Then another entity used the unknown uh, remote wipe exploit to erase those those devices. It's like it's likely would have removed the first um, entry's access to the hardware, but users data was caught in the crossfire now there is some valid reasoning for that theory why would you factory reset a device that you already had root access well maybe be, that was one step too far for someone so we'll never really know but for now 
uh, Western Digital has no plans to patch that. So you're kind of all your own. So basically, they're just kind of like, well, it's 2015. We stopped doing it. So you can kind of go fuck yourselves. Um, at least one thing's for sure. Microsoft would have at least patched that up. I mean, they did it for, you know, Windows 7. AT&T is the latest carrier to make messages by Google the default messaging service for all customers on Android devices. The move will replace the default messaging system, SMS, with rich communication service technology, an open standard that prioritizes media, eliminates character limits, and generally uh, upgrades the traditional texting experience. RCS unlocks the ability to share full-resolution photos and send larger me uh, media files than SMS can handle. It streamlines group chats, enables end-to-end -end encryption for one-to-one -one conversation, and it works over Wi-Fi or data. The transition for AT&T customers will likely take place soon, according to Google. Google has been nudging the mobile industry towards RCS for years, and it's finally catching on. T-Mobile is making the switch to messages by Google, and therefore RCS messaging by the end of the year, and now AT&T is doing the same. However, Verizon hasn't announced plans to adopt RCS, and neither has Apple for that matter. Well, considering that Apple doesn't use messages by Google, um, pretty much, you can pretty much, this was, this article was by, uh, Engadget. So that's kind of a stupid statement to say, because, you know, Apple has messages, you know, their own messages service, which is basically what messages by Google is. You can, if you have another Android device, you can, you know, see if they've said red or, you know, when it's delivered, you know, and, and that stuff. You can also disable the read options, so, you know, because some people don't like being left on red, and um, so that gets kind of annoying, but um, it is actually a better feature. I use it on my Pixel. I actually used it back when I was using my Samsung when I r realized Google had, I mean, Android is Google. I mean, so obviously, if you're going to use messages, messages by Google is better. Samsung had their own on there. Verizon had their own. So you had like three messaging services on there and two of them were shitty. And the, the messages by Google was, was a lot better. Also, when you're using messages by Google, you can go ahead and, um, create a brow. You can actually access your messages through your browser. I was doing it through my Chrome browser created and pinned that up there. So when I was on my computer, I didn't have to have my phone, like right on me if it's charged like if you're like me I charge my phone so my phone is actually within with you know just outside of arm's reach but when someone texts me it's kind of like ugh, got to reach over but you can go through your browser and, and act and um, send messages in there and it actually helped a lot when I was doing messages and stuff like that during my my brother's setting up my brother's services talking to my sister and some other friends and family that were messaging me and it was like cool I can copy and paste and you know, do things a little faster than I would be doing it on my phone. So you can download the app, but it's nice to know that a lot of these messaging services are going to get rid of the bullshit, their bullshit, you know, messaging app because nobody really used them anyway. And if you are, you're just doing the internet really, really wrong. And 
lastly, um, this is kind of a slow news week. So for those of you that pay attention, you may remember Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law SB 7072. That was the state law that banned social media companies from suspending or fact-checking posts from political candidates. As expected, it was taken to court and the Florida social media law was blocked from going into effect. The legislation now at issue was an effort to rein in social media providers deemed too large and too liberal. Balancing the exchange of ideas among private speakers is not a legitimate government interest. Uh, That's Judge uh, Robert Hinkle wrote in his order. Moreover, the law, quote, discriminates on its face among otherwise identical speakers, end quote, partly thanks to an eyebrow-raising exemption for companies that operate a theme park that raises the bar for evaluating whether the law violates the First Amendment, and in Hinkle's estimation, it does. Florida social media law limits when web services can kick off users. It includes a ban on suspending and annotating the post for political candidates, requires that users can quote-unquote opt out of algorithmic sorting systems, an antitrust violator blacklist for companies that break the rules. As mentioned above, the rule doesn't apply to a quote, company that owns or operates a theme park or entertainment complex, end quote, placating media conglomerates like Disney. Basically, what that means is basically you can't do what Twitter does. You can't if someone's spreading, you know, uh, bullshit rumors or completely in fact, infactual stuff or even, you know, you know, and what we've seen on Twitter and which which got Parler kicked off of Google, um, Google Play and the App Store was inciting violence against liberals and things like that. Um saying racist comments also because the annotating means you couldn't get fact-checked so basically when twitter started fact-checking everything trump was saying they don't want you to do that and also the quote-unquote opt-out of the algorithmic sorting system the problem with that is the algorithm that was used on twitter and you see it on um instagram and stuff like that is the idea is to their algorithm is to show you more things than just the echo chamber. So the idea is, oh, well, you lean right. Here's some left stuff to kind of broaden your horizons. But people don't want that. People want an echo chamber. That's why the right goes ahead and says, oh, well, the, the left is um, is uh, the left is is suppressing that. But if you're on a liberal side, the liberal side, you see a lot of conservative viewpoints so you know it's basically it's a law that's designed to for people that don't know how the internet works that just listen to the talking points on conservative on conservative media and they take it as gospel and then of course the oh well it doesn't it doesn't uh it doesn't uh uh affect you know big big corporations that work in my state you guys are cool obviously that suppresses first free speech. That's that's going to be the biggest problem. So I think that's where this is coming into. So this move was to placate Trump, who is a resident of the state. His base, since you can always, you know, sew up re-election at any time, uh, and continue this mythical pursuit that conservative voices are being silenced. This is stacked right up there with the so-called war on Christmas. The issue 
the major issue with the law is that it's an attempt to supersede federal law, which is uh, which is where Section 230 comes into play, which is something conservatives have been going after. The problem then this law, which no one in serious government knew would survive, is solely for political failure. The law will be struck down as unconstitutional and they will campaign on the issue and raise a lot of money for it. That's what this is all about. It's all about campaigning on all these issues that go to the Supreme Court or go to courts and get knocked down and stuff like that. Conservative wise, it's all for show. It's just look what we're doing and that we're so we need your money to go ahead and and try to change it. But of course, now we have a Supreme Court that goes ahead and, you know, says that the Arizona recount is is OK. That can continue. So. We've we've got a lot of issues that we're going to need to deal with. And the problem is, is that because one of these days, these social media laws that, you know, Republicans are going to go, uh, that our Republicans are pushing are going to are going to succeed. And one's going to get through and then the shit's going to hit the fan because the thing that they so didn't want, like we want to get rid of Section 230 because, you know, they should be able to be sued. You're going to tell me that no conservatives are going to get sued. That's the whole reason you guys are able to exist. People will be able to sue you on Twitter and on Instagram on everywhere that you're you're pushing false information because it's going to be called libel. And that's the only thing that's protecting you from actually being sued. So be careful what you wish for because you may get it. All right. So our featured topic today was the big news story of the week, Windows 11. So... Windows 11 is, you know, it's not so much of a game changer, except it's going to finally utilize a lot of the stuff that people have been using for a while. Plus, they're upgrading the the, the start menu, which has been a huge thing because the start menu has been in that, you know, left corner of your screen forever. Um but what it's basically doing, and this is something that I saw, and Adam is Adam's ex- kind of excited about it, mostly because of the technical side. The aesthetic side is it's going to look like an Apple screen. It's going to look like Mac OS. Now, that's not a bad thing. Aesthetically, the Mac OS is a better looking is a better looking screen. I mean, you don't have Cortana taking up that space on the side, and you know. All of them are grouped in the center, and then when you hover over, they, they pop up. And that's what you're going to get with Windows 11. And basically what they're what Microsoft is kind of doing is they're seeing what all of these modders are doing, which because you can do this on your Windows screen. You have to download a program and fix it up, and you can make it, make it look like a Mac OS screen um, just without spending thousands of dollars and, and you know, proprietary software. So... <laughs> Um, so Microsoft is is making a big switch into in for you know Windows 11. So um, Tech Republic has a really cool cheat sheet. It's going to be in the show notes um, that I'm going to kind of read off of, so you guys can kind of get an idea what Windows 11 is going to be about. So Windows uh, Windows 11 is going to be the newest operating system. Now it is going to be free. The thing is, is that I'm not sure because I thought Windows 10 was supposed to be the end of the new window lines and was supposed to just be perceived updated. But 
who knows? I'm not exactly sure. Maybe Windows, I think because once it gets such a fundamental change, it just kind of, you know, they're, they're just, well, let's just call it the next number up. Can't wait till you get to 13. Um, so the OS is going to feature all new simplified, modernized interface that's designed to inspire creativity and productivity. So when Windows 11, the newly centered start button uses the cloud and Microsoft 360 to show recent files, no matter what platform or device they were being viewed on previously, including an Android or iOS device. A new set of features to Microsoft's Windows 11 will be the introduction of Snap Layouts, Snap Groups, and Desktops. These offer a powerful way to multitask and to stay on top of what you need to get done, according to Microsoft's press release. With these Windows 11 features, you can organize windows and optimize screen real estate for a clearer layout, visual layout. Users can create and customize separate desktops for each part of their life, like one for work and one for personal use. Now, in Windows 11, Microsoft is integrating chat from Microsoft Teams into the taskbar so users can instantly connect via text, chat, voice, or video with personal contacts regardless of which platform or device is being used across Windows, Microsoft Windows, Android, or iOS. Now, through Microsoft Teams, users can now instantly mute or unmute or start a presentation directly from the taskbar in the new OS. Uh, for gamers, Windows 11, quote, unlocks the full potential of the new system's hardware, putting some of the latest gaming technology to work for you, according to Microsoft. Now, Windows 11 will offer DirectX 12 Ultimate, which enables immersive graphics at higher frame rates, direct storage for faster load times, and more detailed game worlds, and Auto HDR for a wider, more vivid range of colors. Microsoft Ele Windows 11 will still support users' favorite gaming PC gaming accessories and peripherals, which are nice. That's always nice when you support the OSS. You don't have to go out and buy a bunch of new shit. So Windows 11's new widgets are personalized feeds powered by artificial by AI and Microsoft's Microsoft Edge. Instead of using a phone to check news, weather, or notifications, now users can open their Windows 11 desktop to see a similarly curated view. Uh, widgets offer new opportunities within Windows 11 to deliver personalized content for creators and publishers. If you have the latest update of Windows 10, um, you also you, you kind of get a preview of news and interest in your taskbar right now. Um, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's whatever to me. Like, oh, you know, because, you know, it's not like I can go in there. But I always hate those pre-curated stuff, like, you know, in Facebook and even Google and, and, um, and the Apple News app, because it's always people that, pay for that and it, it's curated like it's not actually curated to your interest it's curated to your interest but with people that are working with us so you know there's that um microsoft is getting a major overall users will have one safe location for apps and content to watch create play work and learn according to microsoft the store has been rebuilt for speed and with all new design that is beautiful and simple to use not only will we bring you more apps than you than you ever than ever before, but we're also making all content, apps, games, shows, movies easier to search for and discover with curated news and collections. Soon, leading first and third party apps such as Microsoft Teams, 
Visual Studio, Disney Plus, Adobe Creative Cloud, Zoom, and um, um, Canva will be available in the Microsoft Store. Coming in late 2021 for Windows 11 Android apps on Windows. Through a partnership with Amazon and Intel, and for the first time, the Microsoft Store will allow users to discover Android apps that can be downloaded via the Amazon App Store. Microsoft is enabling developers and independent software vendors to bring apps to the Microsoft Store, no matter what framework is used to create them. Now, that's cool because they use the word Android. The problem is, is they're using the Amazon App Store, not the Google App Store, which means there's going to be a there. If you've already seen it in the news now, the peace between uh, Microsoft and Android has ended. So now we're going to start seeing lawsuits and all this BS again. So, you know, so if you think like, oh, cool, this is available on the Google App Store. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not coming into, you're, you're not going to be able to pull that into Windows. So, I mean, let's be honest. I'm surprised you can still get, you know, messages on, on your, you know, from Google onto your, onto your computer. So what are the requirements for Windows 11? Well, for processor, one gigahertz or faster with two or more cores on a compatible 64-bit processor or ch uh, system of a chip. Four gigs of RAM, 64 gigabytes storage or larger. So meaning this is going to be the first OS that will not be available for 32 um Well, this is going to be the first one that's not going to be available for the 32-bit processors. Meaning if you've been holding on to the old laptops, like I my old uh I had an old Toshiba laptop that I used until essentially my brother passed. And then I took his Lenovo 64-bit. Uh, my old laptop would not be able to run Windows 11. Uh, you'll need 64 gigabytes of storage or larger. Uh, firmware, UEFI, secure boot capable. Uh, graphics card compatible with DirectX 12 or later with uh, WDDM 2.0 driver. Display. High definition, 720 display um, that is larger than nine uh, inches diagonally, eight bits of color per channel. And yes, you do. You will need internet connection and a Microsoft account to complete device setup on first use. Switching to switching the device out of Windows 11 home um, out of Windows 11 home in S mode is require um, requires internet con um, connectivity. Now that's going to be a thing. One of the things that you've been able to do now, and I'm sure they will change this later because there's going to be a lot of people that are like, I'm not going to sign up for a, a Microsoft account. I already have a Microsoft account with my Xbox and everything using my Gmail. Um, I'm not going to sign up for an Outlook.com email just so I can have Microsoft. So we'll see if that, you know, lightens up later on. Now, feature-specific requirements for Windows 11. Some features in Windows 11 have increased requirements beyond the listed above. And here's some additional details regarding requirements for key features in Microsoft. 5G support requires a 5G capable modem. Auto HDR requires an HDR mo uh, monitor. BitLocker to go requires a flash uh, US USB flash drive available on Windows Pros and above edition. Client Hyper-V requires a processor with a second-level address translator SLAT um, capabilities also available for Windows Pro and above editions. Cortana requires a microphone and speaker 
and is currently available on Windows 11 for Australia, Brazil, Canada, China, France, Germany, India, Italy, Japan, Mexico, Spain, UK, and the US. Direct storage requires a MVME SSD to store and run games that use the standard uh, NVM Express Controller Driver and a DirectX GPU with shader model 6.0 support. DirectX uh, 12 Ultimate available with uh, supported games and graphic drive and uh, graphics chip presence requires a, a sensor that can detect human distance from distance to or intent to interact with the device. Intelligent video conferencing requires video camera, Microsoft, uh, microphone, and speaker audio output. Uh, an MVA, which is multiple voice assistant, requires a microphone and speaker. Snap. Three-column uh, layout requires a screen that is, that is 1920 effective pixels or greater for width. Mute, unmute from the taskbar requires video camera, microphone, speaker, audio output. App must be compatible with feature to enable global mute and unmute, meaning not everything's going to work with this. And most likely it's just going to be Teams that's going to work with this and probably Skype. So beyond that, don't get your hopes up. Uh, spatial sound requires supporting hardware and software. Teams requires video cameras, microphone, and the speaker. Touch requires a screen or monitor that supports multi-touch, uh, most likely handheld devices, or if you happen to have one of those win, uh, micro, those touchscreen computers. Two-factor authentication requires use of pin, biometric, fingerprint reader, or illuminated infrared camera, or a phone with Wi-Fi or Bluetooth capabilities. Voice ty um, typing requires a PC with a microphone. Uh, wake on voice requires modern standby power model and microphone. Wi-Fi 6E requires new uh, WLAN IHV hardware and driver and a Wi-Fi 6E capable AP router. Windows Hello requires a camera configured for near infrared imaging or fingerprint reader for biometric authentication. Devices without biometric sensors can use Windows Hello with a pin or portable Microsoft compatible security key. And Windows protection requires a display adapter that supports Windows Display Driver Model, WDDM 2.0, and a Wi-Fi adapter that supports Wi-Fi Direct. Now, the big question, if this hypes you up, and if you're completely excited that you're like, oh my god, I am beating off to Windows 11 right now. Uh, first, you need to get out more. And to watch some porn, I mean, this, I mean, getting off to porn is one thing, but getting off to this, it's just a little creepy. So if you're even excited and you even want to do the beta testing, which you, you can do if you're a Windows Insider, when will you be able to get it? Now, Windows 11 will be available through a free upgrade for eligible Windows 10 PCs or on new PCs beginning this holiday season and continuing into 2022, according to Microsoft. To see if your PC, 10, uh, Windows 10 PC is eligible for the free upgrade, you can visit windows.com. Actually, you can't do that anymore, so skip that part. And uh, Microsoft said it is working with its retail partners to make sure the Windows 10 PCs you buy today are ready to upgrade to Windows 11. Now, the reason I skipped that last part is because there's been some issues in regards to that. So when they announced that 
Windows 11 was coming and you can check to see if your, you know, ta- your computer is capable of, of running Windows 11. You need, you, you downloaded their PC health check, which I did, Adam did. My computer is seven years old. Uh, my desktop anyway, my laptop is about two years old. Um, Adam's computer is about a one year old. Neither of us, according to the PC health check, was capable of, of, of running Windows 11. And it was like, what the hell? Well, it's because what was kind of buried and they didn't explain it because it's too in the weeds for most people because you just like download it, let it run. If it doesn't download, you uninstall, whatever. Is you need a specific PTU, CPU or TPM 2.0 chip to install the preview. And the problem is, is that it's not installed automatically. You actually have to go into your um, BIOS and actually activate it. And in which case, when Windows, um, the um, PC Health Checker figured, um, you know, did that, found it was there, then you were able to do it. Adam, Adam did his. He was able to, now he's able to install Windows 11. Me, on the other hand, I can wait. I was like, you know, it's not worth my time, which there you go is is the the two of us basically samples out what a majority of people are going to do. Companies, you're going to have IT guys. They're like, fuck this. I don't want to do this. So they're going to do like they did with Windows 7. They're going to run Windows 7 until they until they can't run it anymore and then force Microsoft to get an extension licensing on it. Um, And if you think, you know, you think that's bad for, you know, um, you know, for IT crowds, generic people that run Windows are not going to want to do this. They're not going to want to do this. This is something that Windows 11 should actually do it for you. It's like, okay, let's check. Oh, bait, this isn't on. We need to activate it and and activate that through an update or through whatever, or even installing Windows 11. But because of some of the confusion that happened, because people are like, what the fuck? Why can't I install Windows 11? They've disabled the the pc check this is this is actually from microsoft's blog because they they announced that you know you're able to uh you know you're able to uh download a pre an insider build of 11 i did this one they did uh microsoft uh windows 7 actually adam and i did that and it was fun it didn't run well on everything so if you're using your computer for work and all that cool stuff I would not suggest doing this. However, if you're doing this and you're like, oh, I just check email and stuff like that, go ahead. Um, but uh, so that requirement that happened early on was disabled for the time being. So here's what they here's what Microsoft had to say. With these minimum security requirements in mind, the PC Health Check app was intended to help people check if their current Windows 10 PC could upgrade to Windows 11. Based on the feedback so far, we acknowledge that it was not full that it was not fully prepared to share the level of detail or accuracy you expected from us on why Windows 10 PC doesn't meet upgrade requirements. We have temporarily removing the app so that our systems can address feedback, so our teams can address the feedback. We will get it back online in preparation for general availability this fall. In the meantime, you can visit our minimum system requirements page here to learn more. So basically what they're saying is, and this was the problem. When we ran it, it just said, sorry, bro, 
your system, you can't upgrade and didn't give you a reason why. Didn't tell you, oh, because you didn't activate this or because you don't have the right this or anything. It just said, sorry, dude, fuck off. And that was a problem. And Adam and I had to kind of dig around to find out, oh, this is why. So for most people that are like, well, fuck it, then I'm not going to get that. I'm going to stick to 10, which is one of the reasons why people haven't been upgrading from Windows, didn't upgrade from Windows 8 to 10 because because they were giving it away, but then people instinctively hesitant on upgrading with, um, well, most people were actually stuck with 7. They didn't use 8 because 8 was a clusterfuck. And then they're like, oh, well, 10 is free, so you can go ahead and do it. And people are like, yeah, 8 sucked. I don't really want to try something new, even though 10 was basically a combination of 7 and 8. So it's like, look, if you want people to upgrade to this and you're offering it for free, you're going to need to explain to these people, assume the lowest possible denominator and go with that. So so that's going on with Windows 11. Obviously, there's going to be more stuff that's going to happen as time goes on. So we will be uh, checking that out and we'll be hitting that back up later. So um, let us know in the comments and stuff like that what you think about Windows 11. Are you excited for it? Are you kind of like, meh? Um, and if you're a Microsoft user, you're probably meh. Because <laughs> most Microsoft users generally are. All right. So lastly, douchebag of the week. Don't go to Facebook for any type of information, accurate or otherwise. So this is coming from uh, factcheck.org. Facebook post misleads on HR1 proposal for voter rolls. So... Responding to efforts by Republican-controlled legislators around the country to tighten voting regulations in their states, Democrats in Congress are seeking to expand voter access in federal elections nationwide. H.R. 1, dubbed the For the People Act by its sponsors, has been passed by the House, but the Republican Senate has blocked um, a vote on the measure. Now, the site is reported Republicans have made misleading claims on issue state on issue and or issued statements, excuse me, lacking context in attacking HR one social media post have also misinterpreted the contents of the bill as um, as they've written. A post now spreading on Facebook falsely claims that the measure would prevent states from deleting the names of dead people from voter rolls. It reads. Dems oppose GOP move to remove dead people from voter rolls. They claim that would be voter suppression. Are they playing? Um, are these people playing with a full deck? Well, obviously, it's the Republicans that aren't playing with a full deck because even Representative Elsie um, Stefanik, who is a huge Trump supporter uh, of New York, the chair of the House Republican Conference, made a similar claim on March third in a March third tweet. Stefanik misleadingly asserted that HR one would, among other things, prevent removal of ineligible voters from uh, ineligible voters from um, registration rolls. Stefanik uh, Stefanik's office didn't respond to requests for comment. Current legislation in 1993 National Voter Registration Act already requires states to try to remove the names of dead people from voter rolls. The law um, requires states to conduct a general voter registration list maintenance program that makes a, res a reasonable effort to remove ineligible persons from the voter rolls by reason of the person's death or a change in the residence of the registrant outside of the jurisdiction in accordance with procedures so um, set forth in the NVRA. 
what is new in that HR1 seeks to prevent purging eligible voters from voter rolls by requiring states to obtain objective and reliable evidence before notifying a person that they have been removed from voter rolls, which we've seen in conservative states where people were just randomly purged for it because, oh, well, they didn't vote in an election in the last four years. Maybe they vote once every four years. Maybe those are the people that just think, hey, I just vote for president. That's all I do. So if you voted four years ago, oh, well, you didn't you haven't voted since then. We can delete you from there. That becomes a problem. The bill states three things uh, cannot be considered as evidence. The failure of a registrant to vote in any election, the failure of a registrant to respond to any notice unless the notice has been returned as undeliverable, and a failure of a registrant to take another action with respect to voting or their status as a registrant, i.e. you move, it comes back, they can't, you know, the person doesn't live here anymore. That can't be excessive. Oh, well, the person, is, the, the person does, isn't alive anymore, so we'll go ahead and, and delete them. Death is an exception. And none of none of that needs to be considered to remove a deceased person's name from a voting list. Aside from death, the main reason for removing a voter from the rolls if they have moved out of the jurisdiction where they are registered. I've never seen a Democratic proposal that would restrict the ability to remove voters who, that have died from voter rolls. And the National Voter Registry Act expressly authorizes and requires them to do that. David Becker, executive director of the Center of Election Innovation and Research, told in an email, election officials of both parties want to remove dead people from the list, and they also want to make sure that they don't accidentally remove voters who haven't died. Becker said in a separate phone interview that the um, biggest innovation since the 1993 law is the creation of the Election Registry Information Center, or ERIC, a nonprofit corporation that helps election officials in 30 states and the District of Columbia keep their roles up to date by identifying voters who have moved or died. Becker said ERIC was responsible for, quote, much more accurate voter lists in 2020 than there have ever been in American history. For example, here, when we had in 2020, uh, because I have seen news reports say, well, my wife has been dead for 10 years and I still got her thing, her her ballot in here. Did you actually notify them that she had died or did you just, oh, well, she died? No, be, whatever. That That's a big issue because my father died 25 years ago and he never got a ballot after we notified them that he had passed. Um, two people that used to live here um, got theirs, but we sent them back saying not at this address. That's all you have to do. It's just that simple. I mean, I don't know why this is so difficult for people to understand. And let's keep in mind that the ones that have been brought up on charges of voter fraud have been people that voted for Trump. Even that dude that murdered his wife, I think in Colorado or something like that. He murdered his wife. He got arrested for it. But he even fraudulently submitted her ballot to vote for Trump because he believed that the that the system was rigged. So it's like, what are you doing? You're doing the exact same thing they're telling you other people are doing. It's, uh, it's annoying. All right. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. We want to ditch the, um, we want to ditch ads and be independent. And we can only do that with your support. So if you'd like to donate to make this podcast and all the other shows on the Lazy Geeks Network self-sustaining, you can go to thelazygeeks.com and click on the donate button. 
And if you can't help us out monetarily, you can share the um, the show with your buddies and then rate the show on iTunes. This gives us this gives us bigger exposure and it all helps. It really, really does. And you can check out all the other shows uh, available on the Lazy Geeks Network. Um, all of our old episodes are obviously still up. New episodes coming in the next um, about less than a month. Uh, the Truly Pointless Podcast, our Star Trek-centered podcast, The Away Team, um, all are available wherever you get this show. The new show that I have, the Gen Xer Podcast, isn't ready, isn't up yet, but believe me, I'll let you know when it is. So if you want to be part of the show, you can hit us up with comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Catch us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under at the Lazy Geeks. That's all one word. Or email us, thegeeks at thelazygeeks.com. So that is it for us this week. So until next time, I'm Stephen Vargas, and I'm thinking so you don't have to. 